one of us with glory in a limited and distinct way. For us as human beings, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of used to glory in some sense, and we often link it to, to, to beauty or giftedness or, or perhaps public honor. Uh, we might hear a, a gifted singer or a musician and be transfixed and think to ourselves, isn't that glorious? Or we might uh, see someone who um, is young and spectacularly beautiful or, or handsome or, and perhaps all dressed up so as to best show off their natural beauty and we feel awestruck and think, wow, or something equally inarticulate. I'm, I'm not particularly interested in sport, but I can find myself transfixed watching the Olympics because the different sports are glorious, each revealing the glory of humankind, but in different ways. And, of course, as we all know, those who uh, come home uh, having won gold come home in glory. And, and sometimes, of course, we can find ourselves breathless in appreciation for some artistic or intellectual or scientific achievement. Glory. Well, um, it's Good Friday, and um, ever since Christmas, we've been traveling through the Gospel of John. And we haven't been stopping at every station. No, rather, this is an express service, stopping only at the signposts. For we have been looking at the seven signs of John's gospel. A sign is John's word for miracles. And John acknowledges everywhere that Jesus did an uncountable multitude of miracles, but he chooses seven of them for us to look at in close detail. And all through this journey, we've understood why it is that John calls miracles signs. It's because they're not the destination itself, rather they point to something. And what is it that they point to? Well, they point to the glory of God in Jesus Christ, his Son. And actually, glory is one of John's favorite words. He uses it more in his gospel than all the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all put together. He loves this word, glory. So John's book is a book all about glory. This is John's testimony. The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son. Who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Now indeed, scattered through all the Old Testament are various stories of people who have either witnessed or wanted to witness the beauty and glory of God. They wanted to see it. David prays in Psalm 27, One thing I ask of the Lord, only this do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. But returning to the Gospel of John, his seven signs have been means through which Jesus revealed his glory. Um, but likewise, John has also made it clear all through this journey of signs that the signs reveal the glory of Jesus only partially. The full glory of Jesus would be revealed, we read, when his hour had come. 
when his hour had come, his full glory would be revealed. Only when Jesus was glorified would we truly see Jesus understanding who he is. And Jesus said, And I, when I am lifted up, or when I am exalted from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And John tells us he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. So then, the glorification of Jesus is the hour of his crucifixion. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have other insights that they want to share with us about what happened on Good Friday and what it means. But John's insight is this. Jesus of Nazareth, naked and bleeding on a cross, the most glorious and therefore the most beautiful thing in the history of the world. The most beautiful thing in the history of the world. That might strike you as a strange idea. Of course it does. Uh, Isaiah observes, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Indeed, there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance, so, his appearance so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Crucifixion was an ugly business. The ugliest the Romans could come up with. And, it, and, and they were an inventive bunch when it came to pain, suffering and humiliation. Then, of course, we can add to other things, other things in this event that, that make, him, make it even more repulsive to us. The ugliness of this event is seen in the injustice, the betrayal, the hypocrisy, the cowardice, the way the Jewish religious establishment engineers his death out of envy, the way that they blackmail Pilate, the way Judas Iscariot betrays Jesus for silver and with a kiss. The way Peter's courage fails. The way they all flee. The way Pilate makes mileage from Christ's death in his contempt for those put under his supervision. The way the soldiers use this crucifixion as an opportunity for sport and for gain. All coming together in the death of Jesus. An innocent man, actually the only innocent man, whose one spoken concern on the cross is for the welfare of his mother, a widow. So then, if, if perhaps the death of Jesus presents, from our perspective, humanity in all of its shocking ugliness, how is this a beautiful thing? Well, it is beautiful and it is glorious in what it is, and in what it gives. Because holiness is beautiful, and holiness makes things beautiful. Jesus on the cross is perfect holiness. Holiness is being set apart for God's exclusive use. And in his decision to die, Jesus separates himself from any other agenda except his father's, to do his father's will 
paying the ultimate price to do so, totally set apart for God's purpose, unspeakably beauty, beautiful, holiness in perfection. Um, a friend shared this story with me recently. He said, in the chapel of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, standing on the site where Jesus was crucified, is a painting showing Christ stripped and nailed to the cross on the ground. As, as my friend looked at the disfigured face in the painting, his heart was filled with a precious awareness that he could sense the Father saying to him, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. The cross. This is how much Jesus loves God. And this is how much Jesus loves us. Holiness is beautiful and it makes things beautiful. Um, from a human point of view, I, I guess what I mean is looking at the cross from, from the, the point of view of earth, Jesus is showing us what it means to be human. To, to live life in holy response to God and in holy response to others and in holy response to evil. I mean, human beings, we love to talk in terms of power and influence. I mean, that's baby talk, obviously, but let's do that anyway. Let's talk in childish terms. Jesus' death on the cross is the most influential event in human history. Let me try to give you my rationale. Um, without the cross, human beings, we just glory in power. That's what we do. We love to control others. We love to gain attention. We love to rule. We love to influence. We, we want the power to be significant. And when we get power, we use power um, in, a, in, 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 uh, uh, in order to promote our own agenda and to triumph over others. Alexander the Great, realizing the breadth of his domain, wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Julius Caesar, legend has it, wept at the foot of the statue of Alexander the Great in Spain because he felt that at the age of 32, what he'd achieved didn't measure up to what Alexander had done age 32. And so he wept. Without the cross, might is right, as it remains to this very day in most of the world. Indeed, it is impossible in many countries to distinguish between what happens and the will of God, because whatever happens is the will of God in those places. Without the cross, all dictators can claim to be divinely appointed and blood, bloodshed thereafter justified in terms of eliminating all opposition. But at the cross, the equation, might is right, is crucified and rendered ridiculous because here is God's appointed ruler for the whole entire world. With the cross, we see the true glory of humanity because the true glory of humanity is not power, but love. Love seen in action love as sacrifice for the welfare of others. With the cross, we see that we can and that we must love our enemies 
we see that true leadership is actually servanthood. We see that true greatness is the great making themselves weak for the sake of the weak in order that the weak might be great. We see that real beauty is found in kindness and in courage and in the courage to be kind. That's beautiful. Because of the cross, Martin Luther, Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, Lech Valenza, and many, many others have been able to bring down all kinds of walls. They weren't interested in building walls. They were interested in tearing them down. Sorry, slight political point there. Um, But they brought all kinds of walls down, not by using violence, but rather by submitting to it. Because of the cross, we can celebrate as beautiful lives laid down in service of others. St. Francis, Father Damien, William Booth, William Wilberforce, Amy Oxley Wilkinson, Mother Teresa, and a vast number of people who served in obscurity and whose names we won't know until heaven. Humanly speaking, the cross gives us freedom. But this is still just speaking from a human point of view. If, if we expand our horizons, if we see in the spiritual realms, the view is vastly more spectacular. For from a divine point of view, I, mean, guess, I, mean, I guess I mean looking at the cross from the point of view of heaven, Jesus is showing us the full love of God, that he did die for us, that he would go through hell for us, and he did, because we needed him to. Jesus is the Lamb of God. God himself come to take upon himself the sins of the whole world. God suffering and dying for his enemies. That's us, by the way. To show them that he loves them, that he is, in a sense, safe. That he makes himself vulnerable. That he reveals himself. That he desires intimate fellowship with us. And that we are, strangely, unimaginably precious to him. If God gave up his own son for us, how will he not also give up always everything we need? In in the cross we see it, God is for us. And by his stripes we are healed. We are forgiven by means of the cross. We are reconciled by means of Christ's death. We are set free from sin and from death and from judgment by Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. Who, Who can bring any charge against us? Who can accuse us? It is God who has justified us. And by his death we escape death. He died so that we don't have to. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. It is Jesus who has saved us. The the cross is incredibly lovely. It changes everything. 
Good Friday is all about Jesus on the cross, the most beautiful thing that has ever happened. The glory of God, the glory of humanity in finest display. Glory to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as in the beginning, so now and forever. Amen.